We don't talk about the fear. We don't talk about the anxiety. And so we shove it down. We keep it to ourselves. It's shameful and it's isolating because I promise you, everyone around you is, is feeling those same things at some point or another in their career. But it really comes down to, am I capable? Not only am I enough, but do I have the psychological safety to believe I am enough and I can be more? Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik, and my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. If you've been listening a while, it is great to have you back. And if you're new to the show, I'm Jessica. I'm the host of this podcast. I am a working woman in corporate America. I'm a corporate strategist. And I've been doing this show for almost two years. It's approaching the two-year mark, which is a little wild to think about. But I'm really looking forward to you hearing this conversation because it touches on something that I think is really important and something that I really wish that I had maybe integrated sooner, which is that feeling these feelings of imposter syndrome and struggling and feeling really alone and sort of feeling ashamed of where you're at is actually a very universal experience that a lot of women experience in their professional lives. But that being said, when you experience it, you often feel really alone and it can really feel like you're the only one going through what you're going through. I know that's how I felt. I felt like I was uniquely broken. There was something about me that just couldn't figure out just how to show up, how to feel confident, how to speak up. And I shrunk myself very, very small. And if I had realized that what I was going through was actually very normal, then I think I would have felt a lot better. And I think I would have been able to work through it a little bit faster than I did. So I hope hearing this conversation that you're about to hear, which is about struggle and about moving through struggle and allowing yourself to dream and wish for something bigger, even if there are things in front of you that feel very difficult. This episode is all about that. And I hope it helps you see and helps you believe that wherever you are at right now, even if it feels hard, it feels difficult, you are not alone. And you absolutely can grow and change and you can grow into something really big and incredible if that's what you want. And we definitely need more women, especially in corporate, who are pursuing big and incredible things. If you listened to the show last week, you know that I have put my ebook out into the world and I'm just excited because I put a lot of my heart and soul into it. I wrote an ebook called The Smart Ambitious Woman's Guide to Assertiveness in the Workplace and I wrote it because I struggled a lot, a lot, a lot with my voice and I really defaulted to this behavior of keeping myself comfortable by just not speaking as much as possible. It felt good and it felt safe for me to just be quiet all of the time. And very quickly, almost immediately, 
I got feedback that I needed to be more vocal and that me not speaking up and specifically my lack of assertiveness was a problem that I needed to work on. And I really deeply struggled with that feedback. My confidence was in such a bad place that I couldn't fathom speaking up regularly, let alone doing so in an assertive way. And at the time, If you had told me at that time where I was really struggling to find my voice, that there would be a point in the future where I would freely just be leading meetings and speaking confidently and that I would be almost a chatterbox in certain situations, which is how I am now at work. I I look forward to these situations. I'm always trying to jump in and I'm stopping myself from interrupting. But if you had told me at that time when I was struggling to find my voice that that was where I was headed and that's where I would eventually be in terms of my confidence and in terms of my comfort level, I wouldn't have been in full belief because I felt so stuck where I was. And if I can go back and tell myself one thing, the thing that I would tell myself is just to try to take these little, tiny, courageous steps and figure out the smallest, courageous thing that I could do to begin to bring my voice out. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And it doesn't have to come out right. And it doesn't have to be in front of a bunch of people. It could just be one little thing because that's the starting point. And any kind of growth and anything that you ever do in life, you have to start somewhere. And when I was stuck and having trouble speaking up, I spent all this time thinking in my head. I had this like fantasy thought that there would just be like this magical point in the future where all of a sudden some switch would flip and I would just feel confident and comfortable. So I had like this future version of me and I was like, oh, she'll just like it'll just happen. She'll just start feeling confident and then she'll be able to fulfill her full potential and rise up in her career and make a lot of money. And it'll just happen. It'll just happen. And what I realized through my struggle was that it wasn't just going to happen like the flip of a switch. I just had to start using my voice in little ways, even though it was uncomfortable. And slowly, the little ways that I was using my voice would get bigger and bigger, and my comfort would also get bigger and bigger with time, but it took time. But I'm so glad that I stuck with it, and I'm glad that I was brave because now I don't have the same stress and worry that I used to have. And if you are someone who struggles to speak up, you don't feel confident in your voice, I wrote this ebook to help you, to share my story so you know that you're not alone, and to also share the tools that really helped me figure out what I wanted my voice to sound like and how to start to bring it out at work. And because this ebook is just coming out in the world and because it's new, I'm hosting a gathering on August 9th to celebrate the ebook and you are invited. So this is going to be kind of like a book club slash gathering, but you don't have to have read the book to join. So don't worry. What we're going to talk about and what I'm going to teach is going to be complementary to what's in the ebook, but you can just get started on it or read it after. So don't worry about that. 
But the goal of this gathering is to help you start moving down that path of growing into that version of you that feels confident, that isn't afraid about speaking up, that can show up not only bold and strong, but actually with enjoyment and having fun. Because once the confidence comes in and you're really able to just speak and not worry so much about what you're saying, you actually can reach a much greater level of satisfaction with your job because you get to fully engage with what you're working on and the people around you without being so caught in your head and so caught in the self-judgment and all of the mind chatter and the second guessing. This gathering is intended to help you get there, and I'm going to be teaching some simple but helpful executive communication skills. And, you know, when you hear the phrase executive communication skills, that can kind of sound big and scary, like, ah, what's that? But it's actually, they're easy and simple, but they are designed to help you sound more powerful, help you be more effective, help you be more assertive, but in approachable ways and in ways that you would feel comfortable implementing right away. It starts with a small step, and I want to teach you some of those small steps so that you can take it out with you into the world at work, begin using your voice, and getting closer to the vision of what you want to be, which is someone who speaks freely and who is unafraid. I hope to see you there. Some of you have already signed up, so I'm looking forward to meeting you. This gathering is going to happen on August 9th via Zoom, and I will link both the ebook and the link to sign up for the book club slash gathering below in the show notes. And also when you sign up for the ebook, when you get the ebook, it also includes the link to sign up for this. I'm putting a cap on the number of people because I do want it to be small enough that we get some interaction. That being said... There is no pressure at all to like participate a lot, to speak up a lot. As someone myself who has experienced a lot of shyness and anxiety in my life, I have sometimes felt a little bit hesitant to join these things, like to join these women's groups, because I have been in some where I haven't felt totally safe and I haven't felt totally comfortable. And it is really important for me to give you the option to participate use your voice if you want to, but also just the option to listen and observe and learn. It is totally up to you. I hope to see you there. It's going to be helpful, but it'll also be fun because fun is very important to me. I will link both the ebook and this event below. It's all free, by the way. The ebook is free. The Gathering Slash Book Club is free, and I will link all of it below. And with that, let's get into today's interview. Hope you enjoy. Great to be here, Jess. Thanks for having me. So my name is Leah May. I am both a life and a career coach, uh, and I also have a corporate background in the recruiting and people space. Wonderful. And we talk a lot on this show about early career struggle. So can you share something that was difficult or was a struggle for you when you were first starting your nine to five career? Sure. I think beginning, like a lot of us, I didn't really know what my end goal was. So I was always looking for that mentor. Um, Short of going up and asking someone to just, will you be my mentor? I was always looking for that person. Who can I model myself after? Who is doing the nine to five in a way that feels really fulfilling and soulful and is successful? Uh, And that was a challenge, quite frankly. So I I think that uh, was something that I struggled with the first few years. This is really interesting because I think you may 
I mean, I'm sure you do in your real life and on this show represent that to other people, which is pretty fascinating that that was your answer because that's what I see you as, at least from what I know of you so far, um, which is really fascinating. And just to give people a little context, do you want to share what type of coaching generally you do with women in corporate so that there's a little bit of context for all these questions we're going to talk about, about fear and about how you work with people through fear and struggle at work? Absolutely. So I help women navigate the nine to five in a way that feels really soulful and authentic and also helps them be successful in that world simultaneously. Most often, uh, our corporations are not built to equally support those two things. So I help women navigate the ambiguity of what it is to feel authentic and confident and strong and themselves uh, in, in this workplace setting. I'm so excited to get into this with you because I already relate to a lot of what you just said. And the first thing that I wanted to get your thoughts on is something that I struggled with a bit, especially earlier in my career, but I think it's still something that comes up, which is sometimes I feel like there's not necessarily a lot of open discussion about fear and insecurity and some of the darker more debilitating, sometimes more shameful emotions that we can experience in a professional setting, I feel like they're not out in the open. And then sometimes when we're experiencing them, we can feel like we're really alone or everyone's fine. And we're just, you know, we're such a weirdo or we're such a loser because we're struggling with this or we're afraid of this thing. I'm really curious just to get your thoughts on that from your own experience and from the coaching you've done. Absolutely. And and everything you said, I relate to. I have been there. I've seen it in my own career uh, and certainly in with the people that I'm coaching as well. You know, when we're taught about what success looks like in the nine to five, it is all about climbing the ladder. It's all about financial stability, getting the bonus, getting the accolades, doing a great job, keeping people happy, right? Like these are the ways that we think of success. And what we don't talk about is on that climb, all of the emotions that come into play, all of the fears, all of the anxieties. I promise you, no one just climbs to the top um, without experiencing every single one of those things. But in my experience, we don't talk about the fear. We don't talk about the anxiety. And so we shove it down. We keep it to ourselves. It's shameful. And it's isolating because I promise you, everyone around you is is feeling those same things at some point or another in their career. Um, so it's, I think it's quite tragic that we haven't allowed ourselves to have more open, vulnerable conversations around this in the workplace. I agree. And I think it's partly cultural. And then I think it's partly this odd paradox that gets created, which is that often in the professional world, we're trying to package ourselves, right? And so we're almost trained to present ourselves as always super high functioning. And often that can't include difficult emotions and it can't include struggle, but we are experiencing those things like down beneath those pristine layers that we expose to the professional world. And I guess for me, that could often lead to a disconnect of, you know, yes, I know that I have these skills and I'm able to do these things and I'm also struggling. And I think sometimes holding that paradox can feel confusing, especially when you don't see it in anyone else. And you're like, is anyone else experiencing this? Absolutely. And I think that's where imposter syndrome really comes into play because you don't know that the people around you who look uh, successful on the outside are actually feeling those exact same things. So again, you feel alone. 
am I going to be found out? Am I am I good enough to be in this environment? Um, so I love that people like you are are bringing this conversation to the forefront. Yeah, I think that once we realize that we're not alone in something or we hear someone else talk about it, I think it removes shame. And I think that's the first step to working through something because I'm curious of your perspective, but I think if we're ashamed of something, sometimes we don't even admit to ourselves that it's a problem or a challenge, right? So we're constantly just running from it. At least that's been my experience, like running, running, running. And once you stop being so afraid that you even have this problem, then you can look at it and be like, oh, it's not as terrifying and as huge as I made it in my head when I was running away from it. It's just something that I have to work on. Absolutely. I think fear unaddressed becomes a really toxic thing. We hold it in. We push it down. We soothe ourselves with other behaviors, whether it's substance or whether it's workaholism. Uh, certainly that was was my avenue for a long time. Let me just push it down. Let me work through it. Um, and it, this fear grows and it becomes this bigger and bigger and bigger thing. But to your point, if we're able to stop and really address it head on, it's, it's actually not so bad. I promise you it's not. We can face fear uh, and we can do this, but unless we're seeing others talk about it and demonstrate it, um, that can be really hard to figure out on your own. Yeah. And speaking of, you hit on a few of the fears, imposter syndrome, and you mentioned a couple others. Are there any other big ones that you see come up over and over as some of the core fears that women experience around their professional lives? Absolutely. I think imposter syndrome, of course, is is a huge one. Uh, and that really gets down to the core thought of, am I good enough? Can I do this? Can I make it? Do they really know what I'm capable of? So I think that's one side of the coin. And then on the other side, the women who maybe who are a little bit more tenured in their career, they see that they can do it and they can achieve what's measured as success. But then that fear becomes, what will it take for me to stay successful? What will I have to sacrifice next to be considered successful? So it's almost like when is what what else do I have to give? What else do I have to sacrifice? Uh, and that's really this this paradox of am I good enough? And then, okay, I can play by these rules, but but do I want to? Is that going to be happy? You know, is that going to equal happiness for me later on in my career? I think this is so important and you hit on something incredibly important, which is when you mention rules and playing by the rules, I really believe that there's just a massive hiding of authenticity and our natural identities and femininity that's so built into work culture that we don't even see it. And it's not just the obvious stuff that sometimes we struggle with at work, but I think it's just this this lack of seeing role models and modeling and leadership that looks more authentic and maybe relatable to women who have a style that doesn't fit in the stereotypical leadership style that we so often see and that is so revered. And I think that, at least for me, has led to feelings of disconnect and sort of just this sense of you have the regular version of you and then you have your work version. And for a while, I thought that made sense because, yeah, this is a professional setting. But then I realized I'm not some wildly unprofessional person <laughs> in my personal life. I'm just more authentic and more me. And it's it's so odd how so much of that has been shut out. Absolutely. And and to your point, there are there are women in leadership in the workplace, but depending on their philosophy, depending on the role models they had, um, a lot of times they can actually perpetuate 
this masculine of idea of how you have to be successful, of how you have to reach leadership, because those were the rules they had to play by. They didn't have that positive uh, female role model. So um, sometimes they can be really helpful and supportive, and sometimes it actually can, can be even more problematic. I agree. And I'm really excited to prod into a little bit of what you see in coaching because I'm fascinated by the topic of fear and how it shows up at work. When you're working with a client and you're kind of talking with them about their professional experience, are there certain things you'll see someone do or say that kind of rings an alarm bell for you as a coach where you're thinking, oh, there's fear here? Absolutely. Uh, As women, I think we spend a lot of time justifying. So they may start to speak about a fear. But then very quickly, well, well, you know, this is why and this is how it has to be. And, you know, very quickly want to fast forward to the next conversation. So very similar to how they're letting that act out in their life. Maybe they feel a little stench of it and they're like, oh, put it down, put it away. Back burner. We can't go there. Um, So certainly I look for those cues in, in conversation. And then once you uncover that there is fear and there's kind of something underlying I'm sure you have many different approaches and it changes based on the specific person, but is there anything you can share in terms of how as a coach you're thinking about that and what you're sort of going to try to guide that person through so that maybe someone who is becoming aware of their own experience of fear can start to think about, okay, how, how could I look at this? How could I process this? What could I do with this? When I ask a client, you know, what's behind this fear? Uh, well, I'm not good enough. Okay. So as a coach, I want to dig beneath that. Okay. So if you're not good enough, let's just pretend you're not right now. What does that mean? Let's play the worst case scenario game and let's just get to the very core. And and so they will just keep spinning out. Well, if I'm not good enough, maybe I won't get that promotion. Okay. So if you don't get that promotion, then what? And we just keep playing this game to get to the thought, to get to the thought behind the thought, another layer down. And then most times, nine times out of 10, you'll see that thing is is really not actually very realistic or it's not representative of who you are and how you show up in the world. It's not representative of what you really believe about yourself. It's just this tiny little seed of a thought that we let grow and get really big and really gnarly and and take over our behavior and create anxiety. It's so bizarre how when it's the thought is in our head, it takes on completely different characteristics than when it comes out. Absolutely. And I really believe that goes back to we push it down. We don't yeah. want to see it. We don't want to sit with it. It's not comfortable. I promise you that. But unobserved you know, not dealt with, then we allow it just to spin out and grow and grow and grow. And it becomes, you know, it has to manifest in other ways, because we're not logically looking at it. So it's going to come out when you're, I don't know, crying in the bathroom, or when you're aggressively cleaning when you get home, or when you're, (laughs) you know, keeping yourself at the computer typing away until 9pm, because that's how you're dealing with this thought of what if I'm not good enough? What if they don't like me? What if I don't get the promotion? What if I get fired? Um, So it manifests in all these different ways, simply because we don't stop to look at it, we don't stop to observe it and and digest it. Uh, This is also interesting to me. And I love talking about this stuff. And I want to talk about something that's somewhat related, but which is sort of this idea of change, right? Because I think we've kind of been focused on some of those thoughts of not enoughness and those challenging 
beliefs that we have and the fears. And then I think there's another side to the coin, which is being in challenging situations, being stretched to our limits and really having to grow and actually become more skilled than we are or show up in ways that we haven't before and change into something bigger than we currently are. And I think that it's so important for women to cultivate a sense of belief around that, that it is possible to change. It's possible for something that you once thought was hard or that you once dreaded or that you know you once thought you could never do, that there will be a point where you will be able to do that. You can change and grow. And I guess my question for you is, what do you see with your clients in terms of struggle to believe that they can change and grow into something that maybe seems too big or so far beyond where they are right now? I think the struggle to believe, I I love that phrase for it. And I think we all deal with it and feel it at some point in our life. But it really comes down to, am I capable? Not only am I enough, but do I have the psychological safety to believe I am enough and I can be more? So a lot of us get stuck in this binary thinking of, I am this or I am that, right? These are the two sides. These are the two different ways I could be. And oh, and you've heard people say, oh, I'm just not that kind of person. I'm just not the person who could fill in the blank, right? And so we really start to believe we put these labels on ourselves like, oh, I'm just an introvert. I could never speak in front of a group. I'm not creative, right? I hear that one a lot. Oh, I'm just not creative. Uh, Maybe not in the traditional sense. I work with a ton of people who are creative, but who've never allowed themselves that label. But you have to look for evidence. The struggle to believe comes from that voice in our head, that imposter syndrome that just won't shut the heck up, right? It's just going to keep saying all the time, you have to call BS on that, right? Yeah, at some point you have to say, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to believe these thoughts about myself anymore. Now, you're not going to go from that to, you know, feeling wildly confident and successful the next day, but you've got to start somewhere. So if it's okay to share, one of my favorite exercises to have my clients do in, in between sessions, especially when they're struggling with the belief in themselves or confidence is I want them to make a list. They're 25 life's biggest accomplishments, not necessarily just in a professional setting, but everything you've done that was hard, that you thought you couldn't do, that you were impressed by, that your family or friends uh, rewarded you for, maybe that nobody even knew happened. Maybe you had a really tough conversation but you said what you needed to say. Maybe it didn't even go well, but you knew that was a push for you. You knew that was something you hadn't done before. And my clients will always push back at this exercise. I will say they hate it even. Oh, well, I could only think of two or three. There's no way I could fill a list of 25. And I really pushed them. I said, I I want you to come up with a list of 25 and you have to email it to me because I want to make sure you're doing it, right? And the next week, I promise you, they are blown away with themselves. Oh my goodness. I totally forgot about this instance where I asked for a raise, even though it was off the compensation cycle or where I, you know, completed a marathon after, you know, I've never worked out in my whole life. You know, they forget about these moments. And when they see it, looking back at them, it's a bit of a, almost like a confidence resume, right? Like here is the evidence. Here is the proof where I did something really hard. And that's what we have to remind ourselves of and put back in front of us constantly. 
our brains look for evidence. And if you can feed yourself that mindset of I've done hard things, and I, I most often I will ask my clients, like, take that list of 25. I want you to put it on your bathroom mirror. I want you to see it every morning. And I want you to start remembering who you are, what you've already done and build on that. So that struggle to believe it starts with a seed, but you have to create that for yourself. No one is going to walk up. Maybe your mom. Most people aren't going to walk up to you and just remind you of how incredible you are. Right. So we have to cultivate that for ourselves. It makes so much sense. And I think I often also think about this other component, which is the proof makes so much sense, right? You're almost redefining your identity through that process of reminding yourself of the strong and positive aspects of who you are. And then there's this element of the future is unknown. And I I just love thinking and talking about this idea that you actually now might try something that you've never done. And yes, you have proof that you're strong and resilient, but you don't have proof that you'll get the raise that you're asking for or that you'll be able to pursue the career path that you've mapped out for yourself or that you'll have the courage to speak up more in meetings, however big or small it is. And I think sometimes for me, I think a lot about the element of being visionary and like dreaming a little bit and sort of allowing yourself to go there as a way to begin to stretch your brain. Because I think that dreaming and daydreaming and visioning is really underrated. And it's we need to do more besides that. It's not like smart goal setting. But I think there's a, a place for it. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and if I may share, this is actually a personal practice I do daily. So I've got my list of 25. Yes, I did the exercise myself. But also, once you start to feel confidence in that, then then you create the safety to dream. And a lot of people, when we first start coaching, they're not even in the place where they could think of dreaming. What do they want to do five, 10 years from now? Because they're so caught in that fear. So we work with the fear. Fear is our friend. We work through that. And then we create that psychological safety to dream. So one of my daily practices is I actually write down 10 beyond believable dreams that I have for myself every single day. I write them down as if I've done them in past tense. And every single day, I write those down the same 10, the list doesn't change. Uh, And at the bottom of my list, I write and the dream I'm currently working on. And I write one of those 10. I've been doing this for about six months now. And I'm shocked. I've made two or three of those big dreams already happen. And these were like, when I sat down to make these, these were, you know, my beyond my wildest dreams goals. And if I'm constantly looking at them, even if it's, you know, just two minutes a day, it's usually less than that. I'm constantly telling my brain, we can do this. Like it's, you're just navigating yourself, your subconscious to that. And, and I do think repetition and I do think just having that in front of you daily really plants that seed um, to, to create that. And I would guess that it also feels really good and puts you in a really wonderful state to start the rest of your day. It certainly does most days. <laughs> most days I'm like, this is these are beautiful goals. I can't wait to achieve this. And look, I'm human. There's some mornings where I'm like, I don't want to sit down and write my goals. Like I've got stuff to do. I don't have time for this. But I, I do make a point to do it every single day because it can shift my mood. And it just reminds me, even when you know the world is happening around us, we're having a bad day, you can still put a couple of minutes of intention into who you are, where you're going, and and what you're creating for yourself. 
Oh, yes. And a really small amount of time, I think, can give an unexpectedly large return often. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing I love about this exercise is I'm not having to do anything. I'm not having to sit and like actively journal. I'm not using a lot of brain space. It's just repetition. I'm just telling my brain, this is the direction we're headed. This is what we're creating right now. Um, So it's a really low lift activity, you know, a couple minutes a day. But I've already seen even in just six months, it it absolutely is working. Oh, that's fascinating. I might start doing that because that sounds really appealing. I love it. And I want to ask you a little bit about how you deal with fear. So I think we all have kind of our personal professional kryptonite, certain situations where we know that when the moment comes to do the scary thing, we're going to want to back out. It's going to be a big struggle. Do you have any tricks or what have you found works versus doesn't work for those situations where you know it's going to be scary, you know you're going to want to talk yourself out of it? How do you give yourself that little push? So a couple of different things. When I'm able to prepare for that fearful moment, I want to hype myself up as much as possible, right? I mean, you've got to like pull out your power moves, whatever that is for you. Um, Amy Cuddy, you may have heard of her. She talked a lot about the power of presence. So she's doing the, the superwoman pose in the bathroom before she goes in that meeting. For me, if I'm having a challenging conversation, I'm repeating a mantra in my head before I go into this. And my one of my personal mantras I am a little more fill in the blank every single day. So I'm not saying I'm the most confident woman alive, but I'm I'm a little bit more confident every single day. I'm a little more confident every single day. If I can hype myself up in my head and then go into that, I'm going to come out uh, much stronger. So hype yourself up in whichever way you best respond to and also have some accountability. If that means I'm going to text my best friend and be like, I did it. I said the hard thing. Or I'm going to, you know, tap my colleague at work and, you know, we're going to have like that secret wink, like, yes, like we're in this together. You have to have support. Maybe that's, um, you know, a partner at home, but make sure you're talking about it. When we're building that list of our 25 biggest accomplishments, like I want you to go home after that conversation and, and write that down on your list. Like you're building evidence every single day that you can do hard things. You can have challenging conversations. You can push through that fear. I agree. And one thing that's been very helpful for me is during times when, let's say, I try to speak up or I want to say or ask something confidently and I end up sounding terrified or croaking like a frog (laughs) and it doesn't go the way that I thought, it has been most helpful in my career for me to treat those as just as much of a long-term deposit in the savings account of my self-confidence as a success and to take the linearity out of it. Because I think we often think about building something as like adding a positive piece and a positive piece and a positive piece. And then if something bad happens, you think, oh, well, that's wiped out all my progress and back at square one. And I think that there's also something Um, kind of about having the stomach for failure and really staying with it and being like, you know, I tried. And in that moment, I did the best I could. And sometimes it takes more courage to give yourself credit for that rather than beating yourself up, which is often the easier thing to do. I could not agree more. In fact, gosh, probably six or seven years ago, when I was really working on on confidence, one of my coaches told me I, I had a miserable failure. I did a really confident thing. I made a big ask. 
And I was quite honestly just laughed out of the room. It was awful. And I called my coach bawling and I, I did the thing. I hyped myself up and I, I failed and it felt awful. And she said, amazing, Leah, amazing. You were rejected. You got a failure. Amazing. I want you to go out and get 99 more. And my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, you are crazy. I would not put myself through this emotional roller coaster. What do you mean? And she said, the more comfortable you can get with failure, the more quickly you will get to success. So a failure, a misstep, maybe it didn't go quite as well as you thought. You just add that to your toolkit. Okay, I'm, I'm working that muscle. I'm a little bit closer. And so it's not actually a failure at all. It's helping me build my resilience. And when I looked at it in that way, every time I got another rejection or had another perceived failure, I was like, okay, that's three, that's 10, that's 23. And it just helped me see, and it gets a little less scary. It's like, oh, I'm going to go ask that person now because I've, I've built that resilience for fear and for rejection. It's true. And I think that experiencing failures and particularly putting ourselves in situations where we're opening ourselves up to it versus kind of avoiding any possibility of failure, I think it fundamentally redefines our relationship with control. And it's that redefinition of how we relate to control that actually delivers us, ironically, the success that we'd been hoping for when we were trying to control everything around us. And I think that's a really important lesson. And I think it's something that's extremely hard as a human to do. And I think that's why often people don't take risks or do things like that. But it has, I think, more power than anything else. And I think it's an underrated thing and it's an under discussed topic when it comes to the professional world because it kind of goes back to what we were saying before about how we're putting on our our shiny exterior, you know, and failure is not a part of this. But actually, if you want to get to higher levels of leadership, in my opinion, that's going to be a key ingredient for success. I, I truly believe that control keeps us small right? It keeps everything very predictable, very safe. But that is not where growth is born. Growth is born out of curiosity and pushing and adversity and growing. Like it is never led with control. I promise you that. And I want to ask you a little bit about your relationship to your own femininity just in your life and how that does or doesn't look different when you're in your nine to five job you know, how I show up with my femininity now, I feel extremely confident in. And that is such a gift because that is not where I started. I was, you know, a career professional. I wanted to do a good job. I think like so many of us, especially in early career, we just want to impress. We just want to be liked. We want to do well. And I quickly learned like femininity isn't welcomed. I was told once, please turn down your feelings. Um, you know, we're not invited most often in a lot of corporate settings. Femininity isn't invited to, to this table, right? So we have to define what femininity looks like for us in the workplace because there's so many workplaces that are still not demonstrating it. I was trained that you know, my get masculine, in fact, get aggressive, get aggressive was uh, such a big theme for one of my bosses, get aggressive, go after it. That is what success looks like. And so I learned that and I was quite successful early in my career because of that. And then I hit this place similar to what you were saying earlier, I've got this real self at home, and then I've got my work self. And those two didn't always didn't always mesh, I wasn't showing up fully and authentically myself. So 
I've had to relearn it over the years, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I feel very confident in it now, but I had to create that space. I had to lead with curiosity. Quite frankly, I had to educate some of uh, the my managers along the way in how I best work and how I best show up. Um, so it's not been a smooth journey, but I'm so grateful for it that I can walk into my workplace now and feel authentically me. Are there any specific habits that you let go of as part of that transformation? I think the need to aggressively just push through. If my body is saying, we need a break, if my mind is saying we need a break, if we push through something where, you know, you can tell if, if an employee in the room or you know someone at the table You can tell if something bothers them and they just push it down. But learning to speak up for others actually gave me the confidence to speak up for myself. Oh, Jessica, I think you had something to say. Oh, does that work for you? You know, helping others fully be themselves in the workplace actually helped me gain more confidence to to push back for myself. I love that. And before we start moving into the closing questions, I want to ask you, A, where people can get in touch with you, and B, we've talked a little bit about it, but maybe anything you want to share about what it's like to work with you. Absolutely. So you can find me at liammaycoaching.com. And what it's like to work with me, uh, honestly, it's a lot like this conversation. My coaching is conversational. I want to be supportive. Uh, We are action-oriented, so I'm always going to push you a little bit beyond what you're comfortable with but you're also going to have a safe place to land. So um, I would like to say I take a a pretty balanced approach when it comes to both masculinity and femininity. Um, And how do I, you know, how can you embody that in in your own life? Wonderful. And with that, we're going to move into the closing questions. My favorite, there used to be two, now there are four that keep multiplying. (laughs) This first one is just your best advice for helping someone attain career success and fulfillment, essentially. And I love to ask people what they think someone should be doing this year, this month, and this week to help move their career in the direction they want, whatever that means for them. So I like to start closer out from this week, and then we'll go into larger timeframes. So what is one thing you'd recommend someone focus on this week in order to move their career closer to being the career of their dreams? Sure. So this week, I would reach out to someone who you've watched from afar. It could be a LinkedIn connection. It could be someone in your company, a past colleague. Reach out to someone you admire from afar, schedule a coffee chat, and get to learn about them. How did they get to where they are? What's their best advice for you? But begin that networking now. And what should they think about or focus on this month? This month, I think you can set one or two small career goals. What is going to push you a little bit outside of your comfort zone? What's been on your wish list for a year or a month that you haven't gotten to? uh, And how can you put some action behind that? And what should they focus on this year? This year, we're in uh, still in the beginning part of the year. So I would want you to set a big juicy goal for the end of December. And I want it to feel a little scary. I want it to feel like a stretch. And I want you to write that down, maybe above your desk, maybe a background on your phone. But I want you to look at that every day and push towards that big, scary goal. I love this. It's so funny. Like your coach strengths are bubbling out right now. (laughs) That was really fun to ask you. I love it. And this next one is about a theme that I've been exploring on the show, which is this contrast between the huge things. So when I think about goals like becoming more confident or showing up more boldly, I think of that as a big lofty goal. And what 
I have been fascinated by is how often these big lofty goals actually get developed and built. We move towards them in these tiny instances that are sometimes shorter than a second where we make a different decision or we push ourselves to do something in the moment that feels scary or challenging. And I love asking everyone to share maybe one tiny moment that kind of represented that for them where they did something a little bit different than before and it really represented a step in the evolution of what they were trying to become. Absolutely. I remember the first time, um, and I was an individual contributor at this point, and I remember the first time I held my ground with a VP who was about five levels above me. (laughs) And in the past, I had always been the yes person. Yes, okay. Yes, okay. Let me do that right on it for you. And the ask were just not realistic. And so the first time I pushed back and said, actually, and you know stated my case for why that wasn't going to work and my advice for how we could work through this together but but in a very diplomatic way i said no that's not going to work for me and i kind of scared myself it was one of those moments like did i just do that did i just say that uh, and i i registered the shock on their face but it was it, it gave me so much power moving forward yes that was scary mm, i don't know if i did that as gracefully as i could or should have but I did it. And it just blew open this whole door of being able to speak up for myself, own my confidence and and own own my intelligence. Oh, I love that. That leads right into the next question, which is just what does the title of the show, The Art of Speaking Up, mean to you? Oh, I love that. And I love, I love, love, love this title. So The Art of Speaking Up, I think it really, for me, it's about owning that authentic voice. And and the word authentic is overplayed. So what I mean by that, that inner thought, um, that one that you're feeling to your core, being confident enough and bold enough to say that out loud. So being able to own your confidence out loud. And for the final question, my absolute favorite question of all time still um, is, essentially inspired by the same thing that inspired the show, which is I had this period of my career where I felt alone. I was struggling, majorly struggling with self-confidence. And I could have used a voice to encourage me to help me see that change was possible, to help me see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I love to give this last space to the guests to speak directly to anyone listening who is either struggling who needs to hear words of encouragement or is simply looking to feel a little bit more empowered in their career. And so with that, I will turn it over to you to share what is most important for you that you would want other professional women to know. So the phrase, feel the fear and do it anyway, is probably one of my favorite. So yes, we're all going to experience fear. It's a very natural part of our human experience. And also, You can hold that and you can create this big, juicy life that you genuinely love, thrive in, feel successful in personally and professionally. So feel the fear. Take that as a sign to lean into it. And if you need support, it's there. A colleague, a friend, a coach, a mentor. Um, You don't have to do this alone. We are more powerful together. So make some big choices this week. You have the power to create the life that you want. And that is a wrap on today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to link Leah's information below in case you want to connect with her. 
And I hope to see you on August 9th at this virtual event that I'm doing. I would love to support you in finding your voice and building confidence. Like I said, it takes time, but you have to start somewhere. And I think that it's really good to start small and set yourself up for success. And I want to provide a path forward, some structure to help you do that because there are no manuals out there that teach you this stuff. It's actually funny. I'm working on an essay about fear. And as I was working on it, I was reflecting on how I had all these bizarre fears at work that were bringing me so much anxiety. And there is no manual out there for how to deal with this stuff. And if I can help give you a little bit of structure and a little bit of support, it can hopefully get the ball rolling and help you see that there is so much potential for change and growth, which is literally one of the things that gets me so excited is the potential of women to bring something out at work that already existed inside of them, but you just didn't realize it was there. Anyway, I get really excited about this stuff, as you can tell. If you want to join me on August 9th, you will find the link to sign up in the show notes. And also you will find the link to get my new assertiveness ebook in the show notes. And all of this is free and I hope that you enjoy it and I hope that it helps you. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and I will catch you next week for another solo episode. I hope that you've been enjoying those. So in the meantime, like I always say, have a wonderful day, have a wonderful week and we'll chat soon. Bye.